sliding our way into a Tuesday morning, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Evan Bray, and another nice day in the province. In fact, I'm going to say a little better start today than we had yesterday. Temperatures continue to be mild. Road conditions were better. Still areas of the province, because anytime we get mild temperatures this time of the year with a cold ground, you know that we get a bit of fog. And so there are still parts of the province where fog and visibility is an issue. But I would say, generally speaking, we're off to a better start weather-wise today than we were yesterday. Well, thanks so much for joining the show. We've got a lot packed into the next few hours, and I appreciate you stopping by. We're going to talk about the swing in advertising and marketing endorsements. There's less focus now with celebrities and TV ads, and likely... Your son or daughter could be the influencer that's making a difference on social media. We'll talk a bit about that. Brian Zinchuk will stop by for our monthly check-in on oil, gas, energy, and trends in the energy sector in the province. As artificial intelligence continues to rapidly crawl into our lives, we're going to look at ways it's helping us in a good way and a couple of examples that are quite frightening in terms of the risks that it can pose to us. And, of course, the latest from the classrooms in Saskatchewan, what's happening with the teacher strike and how it's affecting you, all things that we will be discussing this morning. Time now for The Big Talker. Let's get out of business, shall we? Welcome. Let's begin. The Evan Bray Show. The Big Talker. Well, we've been watching this sexual assault investigation roll out now over a number of years, sadly. The 2018 Canadian World Junior Hockey Team got caught up in an incident back in June of 2018. This was reported to London police on June 19th of 2018, one day later. And then the London Police Service, as we know, opened up an investigation. Nine months after it opened the investigation of the allegations of sexual assault against a number of players of that team, it closed the investigation, deeming not enough evidence to proceed. And what's happened since February of 2019, and we've talked about this a fair bit, there's been a lawsuit, there's been independent investigations that followed over the next couple of years, and in July of 2022, London police reopened their investigation. Two weeks ago, we heard from London police that they are charging five members of the 2018 World Junior Hockey Team with sexual assault. Yesterday, there was a news conference held by London police It was, I'm sure you saw pieces of that on TV last night or read about it because it was a well-covered news conference, 44 minutes long. Canadian press reporter Paola Larigio was at the press conference, and Paola joins me live this morning. Thank you so much for taking our call. It's my pleasure. So, you know, I watched that as a as a retired police officer. I watched that with some frustration, I have to say. I felt the frustration for you and the reporters in the room because we didn't get an answer to what caused this review of the initial investigation and why it happened three and a half years after that original investigation happened. The chief wasn't able to ever, no matter how the question was asked, give us any insight on that, was he? No, and, you know, that's not surprising. Um, usually when a case makes it way, its way before the courts, um, police and investigators are a little bit limited in what they're able to say because they don't want to say anything that might compromise an eventual trial. Um, so it's not surprising that they weren't able to give those details, but it was um, 
very interesting to hear an apology being offered for this delay uh, and for how long it took to lay the charges, but without really knowing what had led to that delay and why it took so long to so charges, that's, charges. that's a good question, Paula, as I wonder, Chief Tytrong extended a fairly heartfelt apology to the victim. He even went so far as to talk about he used the word victim because that is the word that the victim preferred to be used. So that clearly there's some conversations that happen. What, what did you make of that apology? Well, from what I've you know heard from experts and so on, this apology is symbolically very significant um, because of course it, it you know it's a difficult process whenever you um, report allegations of sexual assault we know allegations of sexual assault are you know it's underreported um, and there's a lot of thought and consideration that takes that it takes to make those kinds of reports and so um, to hear this apology is significant symbolically but because it didn't have all of those details it's pretty limited um, it, it's, you know, usually an apology, you say what it is exactly you're apologizing for, and usually you say um, what steps you're going to take to make it better. And unfortunately, because of the circumstances in which this took place, we weren't able to hear those things. It's possible we'll hear them down the line, um, but at this point, we're kind of missing a lot of that information that would add a little bit more heft to that apology. Canadian press reporter Paolo Laricio is my guest this morning. I feel like you're giving a fair bit of grace to the chief in London and the police service. I guess the, the true test will be when the trial happens, when the information is learned, you know, do we reflect on it and say, ah, okay, that makes sense why you couldn't tell us that? Or does it open up more questions? And, I, and I'm assuming that's that's yet to be determined. There's a lot of disinformation that will presumably come out at the trial. I'm sure that the way the police handled this investigation will be, uh, you know, a, a pretty strong focal point of the trial because usually a lot of, um, you know, the, the uh, testimony and the interviews that police do form a pretty uh, important part of the evidence that's presented. So I'm sure we'll hear that down the line. And, you know, we may not have gotten a clear explanation for what happened, but we did hear a few pieces of information, and we can draw our own conclusions from them. Um, one of them was that the chief said that the um, officers who were involved in the investigation in 2018 are no longer involved in the investigation. Um, and another thing that we heard was that um, there's a system, usually a fairly new system, where uh, when allegations of sexual assault don't lead to charges, it's, the case is reviewed to uh, a third party, an independent third party usually made up of uh, experts or, com- or victims' advocates or so on and so forth, to kind of review that decision process. Um, and that's meant to make sure that allegations aren't inappropriately dismissed. And so what we heard yesterday was that this case was not referred to that committee, was, did not go through that process. We didn't, unfortunately, learn why that was. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that will also come out at a later date. We were uh, we were also told by Detective Sergeant Catherine Dan, who was one of the other uh, people speaking on behalf of London Police Service, she made a point at one time of saying it's common for police to reopen and examine an investigation if there's a public complaint, for example. She gave that uh, example during the, the the news conference. Is that did you read anything into that? Is that maybe what has caused this to resurface and and be reexamined? Well. 
you know, we didn't really get a clear answer as to what led to the, the review and the eventual reopening of this investigation. Um, but we do know that there was a huge public outcry when this uh, news first broke. So we do know that there was that public response. Whether there was a direct complaint to police uh, and whether that's what led to the review and the eventual reopening, we don't actually have that information, unfortunately. Canadian press reporter Paolo Larigio. You know, the other thing I found interesting, the chief at one point, you know, you could tell the times when the chief went off script. Uh, and and one of those points was when he he basically stepped in and said, listen, I want to talk about how society is contributing to the problem that we're seeing. He talked about how women and girls are portrayed in the media and how that contributes to sexual violence and the normalization of sexual violence. Why do you think he did that? That's a good question, because that was a bit of a tangent uh, in the middle of a news conference Mm -hmm. that was, you know, it's about a specific case. Um, At another point uh, in the news conference, you know, he made a point to say that they were not here to investigate hockey and hockey Canada and all of those things, but they were there to investigate a specific case. And in this situation, he went on this uh, kind of other topic, talking about what may be some of the root causes of violence against women. And, you know, it's good to see police and investigators in general consider the broader societal causes of violence against women and violence uh, overall. But uh, it, it did seem kind of a, an unusual choice in the middle of this news conference. Yeah, I thought it peculiar. Talking uh, this morning with Canadian press reporter Paula Larigio. Before I let you go, uh, Paula, I'm curious. There was one player of the five that was charged with two charges, and they gave an explanation on that. Can you run us through that? Yes. So Michael McLeod is facing two counts of sexual assault, and one of them is sexual assault for being a party to the offense. Uh, and as that was explained yesterday, so the, the basic count of sexual assault relates to uh, alleged actions by the suspect, right? So that's something that he is accused of having done. And the way it was explained yesterday, the second count of being a party to the offense would be a charge that's related to the alleged behavior of another person. So he would have aided or abetted, allegedly, um, some other person's actions. Interesting. Well, I appreciate you being willing to to step in with us this morning and uh, give us your thoughts after having been at the press conference yesterday. And uh, we will uh, follow this trial very closely. Thank you so much, Paula. My pleasure. Take care. Canadian press reporter Paula Larigio, who was at the media conference yesterday with London police. And of course, from that, if you watched any of that, there were a lot of challenges that, that, that came forward. And I think a lot of unanswered questions in terms of, you know, why did it take so long for, for police to reopen the case and look at it? And pretty much every question that was asked. You are rightfully asking these questions. But for me to answer any of these details will truly compromise the ongoing prosecution. So I appreciate that these are questions that you want to know, and I think you deserve to know. But right now, I can't answer that. I will answer that at the appropriate time, though. That's Chief of Police Ty Trung from London Police Service. And as I watch that, I'm, I'm racking my brain trying to think what, what could have changed. We know that investigation was done. It was a nine-month uh, time period from when the incident was reported to when it was concluded with no charges. They said in the uh, in the press conference yesterday that new information came to light. And so the one thing that is interesting to me is at one point, 
it was spoken about by the police that multiple investigations added complexity to the case. And I can tell you that typically, if there's a criminal investigation going on, other investigations, which might be done independent of the police, in this case, for example, Hockey Canada did one, the NHL was conducting an independent investigation, those typically will not start at least in terms of talking to the victim, talking to witnesses, talking to potentially people that were involved as accused, those likely won't happen until after the police investigation is done. So when the police investigation concludes back in 2019, then these other investigations can happen. You remember, we heard from Gary Bettman in the NHL, this will be a transparent investigation. We will keep you posted. We will let you know the results. We didn't hear any of that. It makes me think that in those investigations, there was a stone kicked over that either was A, missed by police, or was in some way, and this is what the police are intending us to believe, in some way a new piece of information that wasn't available at the time of the police investigation. You know, we've seen lots coming out in terms of text messages and exchanges between the victim and the accused in this. You, you would like to think that that would have been looked at and investigated the first time. Typically, actually, a forensic investigation of cell phones will be done to even be able to pull back any text messages and, and archive anything that, that might have been collected there. But it does make you wonder if, if there, what, what kind of information could come forward after that first police investigation was concluded that would cause them now to reopen the case. Don't forget there was a lawsuit in there as well. And so there would be finding of fact through that. A, a lawsuit which, by the way, caused Hockey Canada to settle out of court for millions of dollars. So you're not going to settle a case if there wasn't something there that compelled you to think this is worth settling. And that VACR review, you and Paolo was talking a bit about that. That's the Violence Against Women Advocate Case Review, which is Fairly common practice now in police services across Canada. In fact, the Regina Police Service has this in place as well. I'm curious to know, some places will do a random sampling of files, so not every sexual assault investigation is reviewed by this independent counsel. And this is a group of people who are, by the way, not police officers. They're often people that work in the community on and have a history of working with survivors and victims of sexual violence. They're the ones that review the police investigation to determine if something was missed. So why they didn't look at this, we again don't have an answer for it, but it could be that they do random audits there and this one wasn't picked for that. So as this continues to unfold and as the trial starts to happen, we will learn some of the answers to those questions. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Well, it's a pretty normal day today for parents and students uh, heading to school. Tomorrow, though, that changes. The rotating strikes will affect Saskatoon and other parts of the province. We'll be talking a little bit about that. And then, of course, Thursday, this is the one that has got people talking. The change in how your child is going to have to deal with the lunch hour. No longer will teachers be doing lunch hour supervision for one day only on Thursday. The implications that's going to have for you will be more of our discussion as well. And coming up next, we're going to talk about how the child in your house might be someone who's influencing online behavior and the danger that comes with that for our children. 
That's coming up next right here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.